Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. Good, wide awake. Hey, some of y'all clapping, some of you are just staring. I get it, I get it. I'm, man, you know, this series, Famous Last Words, when you think about your last words, um, usually we don't think about our last words until it's our last time, right? I mean, we don't give it a whole lot of thought. Uh, and if you're wondering, well, should I be polishing up on my last words? Should I be working on them, thinking a little bit more about them, be a little more diligent in that? You don't have to go any further than your mailbox, right? Like, I, there was a time when I got a lot of direct mail about credit card offers and new cars and vacations. And really, my mailbox is full now with funeral plot offers and, you know, retirement dinners at Mark's Prime and, you know, cremation specials. <laughs> it's like, when that happens, polish up on those last words. <laughs> and, you know, the, the end of your life, there was a guy who invented dynamite in 1866. And, uh, by the end of his life, he had 355 patents to his name on dynamite and blasting caps. And uh, he had opened 100 factories in over 20 different countries uh, to, to manufacture dynamite. And within 20 years, he was extremely famous and very wealthy. Well, to his surprise, he opened a French newspaper one day and found his own obituary written. And, and that, it took him back. And what had happened is the reporter mistook him for his brother. His brother had died in an accident and they wrote his obituary by mistake. And the obituary wasn't uh, very kind. Actually, the, the opening line to that, it said that he had hardly benefited mankind with his inventions. And another uh, writer wrote and called him the merchant of death. And another wrote and said, he became rich by finding a way to kill more people faster than ever before. <laughs> and, then, and history has it that that uh, really changed how he left his legacy. He didn't want to be remembered that way. And so, Alfred Nobel decided to leave his fortunes to remember and recognize and foster science, literature, and peace. And the Nobel Prizes began. And he was said to have left 94% of his wealth, which in today's money would have been $180 million dollars to the Nobel Prizes. See, people might not ever remember how you start, but they will always remember how you finish. And the way you finish will forever polish or tarnish 
what you did in life. It matters how we finish. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished. And if you have your Bibles, you, apps, you can open them up there. To the, my notes will be there. It'll also be on the screen. But let's kind of go there. John 19, verse 30. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. That when Jesus said, it is finished, it was actually one word that he spoke in Greek. And that, that was the word tetelestai. Tetelestai, for us, it's three words, but uh, to tell us that it literally meant uh, the, the definition was to complete, to bring to an end, paid in full. It meant, you know, that I did it. I, I did the work that you sent me to do, Father. I paid the debt, the, the debt for our sin, for all mankind throughout all history. I paid it in full and I finished then, then in, in biblical times, you may have heard a servant come back and return to his master and say, Tetelestai, meaning I finished the work you asked me to do. Or if you could have heard a merchant uh, that when a debt was paid, he would stamp it, Tetelestai, paid in full. Or it could have been from a priest or when he was examining a lamb that was going to be sacrificed he would say tetelestai, meaning it was perfect. And Jesus, when he said tetelestai on the cross, changed all of history because his work on earth was finished. Now, here's the thing that's different is that Jesus finished the work his father sent him to do, but we haven't. We're, we all have unfinished business when it comes to our lives in the kingdom of God, we're still running this race. And, you know, Paul wrote about it in Philippians 1.6 when he said that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished when Christ Jesus returns. Finished. You're, you're not done yet. You're, you're still running. And, you know, so much of Paul's letters, and he used the language of athletes. He used the language of uh, a race. And, uh, and I, I thought about it. Well, the reason he probably did is because it, he was right there in Rome where the Olympics began. And, that, I mean, that, the games were, were going, and that, that was so much a part of the culture. And, and I thought about uh, one of the Olympics in 1968. In 1968, it was the Mexico City Olympics and a runner named John Stephen Aquari. He was from Tanzania and he was hoping to medal in the marathon. 26.2 mile marathon. And, but the problem was that about halfway into the race, he had a terrible accident and he fell, uh, got caught up in a pack of runners and went down and uh, dislocated his knee and opened a big gash on his knee. And the medics pulled him aside and they bandaged him up and expected him to just limp off. But he picked up and he continued running, just dragging that dislocated knee. 
over an hour after the race had been run and the other runners had completed it, John Aquari shocked the world when he walked in and then started running into a stadium that the race had been over, the medals had already been awarded, night had fallen, and he crossed the finish line. And it, reporters asked him afterwards, well, why didn't, why didn't you keep going? You, why didn't you quit? And he said, because my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish a race. And you got to know this. God sent you here not to start your race. He sent you here to finish your race. And between now and the finish line really matters. That, you, you know, Paul understood this. Paul, the apostle Paul, he wrote about finishing strong. And he wrote the words in 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7. It said, the time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. The same word that's used for tetelestai. I've finished the race. I've completed it. And I have remained faithful. And, you know, he, when he wrote those words, he was probably in his 60s. He was uh, in, in uh, a prison in Rome, and he was awaiting execution. And they had taken every single thing from him. They took his ministry away. They took his friends away. They took his freedom. They even took his privacy. For, for two years, he was chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. He had lost everything. You know, we, what we all have in common is we haven't finished. So how do we finish strong? How do we, how do, we do that? And well, I want to pull from some of Paul's words and some of his writing. And uh, the, the first thing, when Paul said, I fought the good fight, for us, you know what that means? I mean, <clears throat> that means we need to prepare to fight, right? We... We need to prepare to fight. We need to, you know, it's coming. And I know, so everybody goes, no, wait, I don't, I don't know. I want everything to go smoothly. And that means it's going well. No, Paul said, we're in a battle. And when you forget that, you lose. And in the words of the infamous Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> right? We all do. We got this plan. We got this strategy, these goals, and... And yet something jumps in the way or someone and, and you have something hit, a tragedy in your life, a heartbreak, a, and you know, oh no, what is that? What do I do now? Because we've all lived long enough to get punched in the face. And, <clears throat> and it's difficulties and it's trials that do that. That when we, we experience pain, when something gets too hard or the pain is too great, we stay down instead of standing back up. You've got to know something. There is more in you than you think. There is more in you. Scripture says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That if you, you and I, if you're a Christ follower, that means that 
the, the Holy Spirit lives in you and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. You know, so many times we, we just fall and we'd rather tap out and walk away than to tap into the power of God within you. You need that. I need that. We all do. And you know, here's the thing about Paul. He didn't know how to quit. Paul couldn't get discouraged. He was persistent. He was tenacious. He was determined, man. And let me take you to one of his texts that he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4. He said these words. He said, we are pressed on every side by troubles. In other words, there's pressure coming from all sides. But he said, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. Perplexed is like confused or it's like stretched so much. You stretch so far, but you don't snap. And it's like, but we're not driven to despair. He said, we're hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. And we get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. I mean, the, those words, you think about it. He, what do you do with a guy like that? He's just, he, he had this endurance. He, he would get knocked down, but never knocked out. He'd always get back up. And it wasn't that he had an easy life. It was that, he, I mean, his, his, his trials and struggles were, are far greater than what most of us have ever experienced in life. And in Hebrews 12, 1, the writer says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. God has set a race before you, but you've got to run it with endurance. Endurance is like the crown jewel of character traits. Uh, I thought about Winston Churchill. He had one of the famous last words on the rolling. He said, I'm bored with it all. And I thought, man, knowing who Churchill was, I mean, just go back in history. Think back to World War II. Hitler and the Germans are bombing Great Britain. They're dropping tens of thousands of bombs over Great Britain. So many bombs that the midday sky turned dark. And one of the speeches that Churchill gave to the nation, he said, we will fight on the seas and the oceans. We will fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We'll fight on the landing grounds. We will fight in the fields and the streets, and we will fight in the hills. And know this, we will never, ever surrender. Those words were Hitler's nightmare. I mean, that kind of spirit sends chills through an adversary. I believe some of Paul's words did the same. Hey, what do you do with someone who says, for me to live is Christ and die is gain? It's like, it's a win-win, man. Whatever you got, bring it on. What do you do with someone like that? See, what we forget often is that we have an adversary. His name is Satan. And, and Jesus said, his plan is to make sure that you don't finish well. He said, his, 
He, he came to steal, kill, and destroy, is what Jesus said. But Jesus said, but I came to give you life. And, and you know, oftentimes we, we forget that. We think, you know, I, I don't think about that. Paul said, you got to be prepared to fight. But your fight is different. It's, um, and he writes about it in Ephesians chapter 6. And he talks about the, the spiritual battle that we're engaged in. And he said in verse 10, he said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He said, because we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against powers and principalities in this dark world. See, our battle is a spiritual battle and it has to be fought on our knees. It has to be fought leaning into the power of God who is alive within you. That you tap into him, you spend time in his word, you you're you're focused on him. Because here's the thing, you're not fighting for a victory in your life. You're fighting from a victory. Jesus already won. He died on the cross to pay for our sin and our past. He rose from the dead to give us life forever in heaven. I mean, he's already won. The victory's already won. But we still have to endure. We still have to run the race. We still have to honor him. And you know what? That's when you get to see God move in your life in ways that you never imagined. And, and, and so when Paul also said, I finished the race, you know what that means for, for you and I? It means we're in a race. That means you have to run to win. You run to win. You, you have a race. God has a race for you that is uniquely yours. He set it apart for you, you are gifted, you are called. God has a purpose for your life and you have to run your race. Nobody else runs your race. And I don't know about you, but uh, I, I'm competitive. I've always been competitive. Since I was a kid, I was competitive. Now I didn't play sports, but uh, that was a whole different issue. But I, I was competitive, I like to win stuff, so we, uh, we delivered newspapers for the New York Daily News when I was a kid. And some of you, you don't really know what newspapers are. But, uh, but, but anyhow, I, I, we delivered those. That meant like 6 o'clock in the morning before school, I'm out there delivering papers. And, then, and I, I got kind of bored with that. But, but what excited me was when our, our manager sent us uh, information about a competition. And he said... There's this competition that if whoever sells the most new subscriptions will win a trip to New York City, to Radio City Music Hall, to hear, uh, to watch John Wayne and the Cowboys, a new movie that's come out, and you will watch it with John Wayne and the Cowboys. And some of you don't know who John Wayne is, and those are the people who don't know what a newspaper is either. But it was a big deal, and 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 I won, and I, so I went to Radio City Music. I sold more subscriptions, and, and and I won as a kid. I sat there in Radio City Music Hall with the Cowboys from the movie, watching the movie on the premiere, and then I had lunch with John Wayne and the Cowboys. Yeah, see, you people know what that meant, right? That was a big deal, man. It was like, that was exciting. But you know why? Because I'm competitive. 
And, you, you know, when you're, you're competitive, you're running to win. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.24. He said, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. I mean, run to win. We're all in this race. We're racing. But, you know, there, there's different ways you can run, too. Um, Boston Marathon, another race. Uh, was it 30,000 people run in the Boston Marathon? But in 1980, the winner of the women's division uh, was Rosie Ruiz. Rosie crossed the line in near record time. And she was a 26-year-old New Yorker who had only uh, had no record of her running a marathon in the past. And so when the officials crowned her the winner, <laughs> she, there was, she wasn't sweating. Uh, she, her hair was perfectly styled and her face was hardly flushed after a 26 mile run. And, um, and everybody was confused. Well, they found out later that she, she won using her signature strategy. Don't run the whole race. See, eyewitnesses had her when she crossed the finish line that less than a mile before, uh, they saw her come out of the crowd and start running the race. She didn't run 26 miles. She ran less than a mile. And, and she stood there and did all the interviews. And <laughs> you really want to watch something. Go Google that. That's crazy. But, but you know, here's the thing, though. Two years later, in 1982, she was arrested for embezzling $60,000 from an employer. And oh, in 1983, she was arrested for trying to sell two kilos of cocaine to undercover policemen. You know what that means? She just kept running the same race all her life, right? Yeah, that was it. It was like, listen, it matters how you run. Don't be a rosy. It matters, man. You got to you got to run. Some of you right now, you're running scared. You're running scared. This race, because you don't think you're good enough. You don't think you have enough. You, you don't think you're doing enough. Others of you, you're, you're, running, you're running on empty because you're living life at a breakneck pace with no margin to really live. You're just surviving. And some of you, you're, you're running like Rosie. A little crazy, making up your own rules, and you are way off course. And some of you, you're running well. You're, you're living for God. You're honoring him with your life. You feel God's favor in your life. You know God. You know his voice. You know his word. It really matters how you finish. But the good news is you're not finished. So you can make the course corrections. You can make the adjustments. And then the, 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 the last thing Paul said, he said, I've remained faithful. And for you and I, that means we've got to focus on the finish line. We get so wrapped up in the past and the here and now that we miss the there and then. That, you know, think about it this way. Your life and in mine, let me give you a picture of it. I think we got it on the back wall. Uh, 
this is our life. And I know when most of you look at that and go, okay, well, it makes sense. That means that the dot was the day I was born and then uh, these are the years that I've lived, maybe my you know, 70, 80, 90 years, right? I get, I get those lives if, and that's my life. But that's not what this is, illustration is because actually the dot is your life. That's the here and now. That's your 70, 80, 90 years. They happen in the dot. And really, honestly, it's brief. It's brief because scripture says your life is but a vapor. But your life is not over here. And you have to stop living like it is. Because the line is eternity. And that's where you're living too. And it and everything that happens in the dot determines what happens on the line. You gotta live for the line, not the dot. You're focused on, man, my little world, and I gotta have more and be more and do more and have this. No. Yeah, that's why scripture says, no, store up treasures in heaven. We're, we're still storing up treasures on earth, thinking we got to have more. No, you don't. You need to give it away because you know what? You're sending it on ahead. You're changing lives. You're investing in people. They live on the line. That's what we're called to be and do. Paul got this. Philippians 3.13, he said, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I mean, that, that's what he called us to do. And uh, next slide, y'all. Thanks. Uh, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He said, I'm going to press on. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get caught up in the past. I'm not going to, you know, I th he says, you got to find out what counts, what matters. He's saying, this is the exclamation point. One, it's, it's about concentration. The secret of concentration is elimination. You got to eliminate a bunch of good things so you can grab the best things. I mean, it's that you got to stop looking back and start looking forward. And I mean, that, that's what we're called to do. You know, how are you looking forward? Because forward is where Jesus is. That's what he said, the writer of Hebrews said. Hebrews 12. Uh, said, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And, and then he said, how do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The champion, the one that's won the victory for us. You keep your eyes on him. He's always ahead of you. He's not behind you. I mean, he's at the finish line. He's waiting. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. 1992, Barcelona Olympics. Derek Redmond. Derek was favored to win the, the medal. He, he was racing uh, in a 400-meter race. And... His story is called one of the purest examples of determination and perseverance in Olympic history. And he thought he was a shoe-in for this race. 
And as he came around the stretch, he said he heard some, a pop, and he thought it actually came from the stands, but he took a few more steps and realized it was his hamstring that had, he, that he had pulled his hamstring, and he fell to the ground in the track. And as people rushed in to help, he pushed them away, and he got up and he started hobbling toward the finish line. And then in the midst of that crowd, one man came busting through security and ran to the track and caught up with him. And he heard him coming and you see him try to wave him off because he didn't know who he was until he spoke. And he remembered his voice. It was his dad. And his dad came alongside him and he said, son, you don't have to do this. And he said, I have to finish. And he said, then we're going to finish together. And he walked him to the finish line. And during that time, the crowd of 65,000 people were on their feet, shouting and cheering. Why? Because it matters how you finish. Because finishing is critical. Let me ask you a question. When something pops in your life and takes you down to your knees, who is sitting in the stadium of your life that will rush to your side? I'm talking about people that, <clears throat> that, that you do life with, that love you. That it, for those of you here at the Springs, you're, those are your small group. Those are the people that you weekly, you meet with, you know them. <clears throat> and you're in trouble if you don't have anybody in the stadium. And the truth is what, what the pandemic has done to most of us, it has pushed us away from people. And we have less people today than ever before because we're not taking the times for relationships. And I'm going to tell you, the pop is going to come and your knees are going to collapse and you're going to need somebody by your side. That's why we have Connect. That's why we try to move you out of this big room in rows and put you around circles. And we have a dinner together and you meet new people. And because this is the church. The church is, is not a weekend service. The church is relationships. And you've got to take the step to begin the journey. And if you haven't signed up, you haven't been, you need to come today at four o'clock. But for some of you, you you got to realize there's another relationship that you got to get right. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped out of the stands of heaven and he walked on earth and he walked and he gave his life for us. And he said, to tell us die. Your past is paid for. Your sin is forgiven. You get heaven and I'm never leaving you. And for some of you, you never stepped into that relationship. You can do that right now, right where you're sitting and asking Jesus to be the savior of your life, the leader of your life. And let's go to the Father in prayer. If you bow your heads and close your eyes if you're here today and say, I want to begin that relationship with Jesus. Tell him that. You could pray this prayer. <clears throat> Not out loud, but between you and God, right where you sit. 
You can say, dear Father, thank you for loving me and for never giving up on me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross to pay for my sin, to give me forgiveness for my past and a home in heaven one day, but a life lived to the full today. Today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and I ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.